Well, good morning, everybody. So glad that you're here with us today. Welcome to Rise Church. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor here, and on behalf of our staff and just all of the leaders that uh, really came in and set up for you and to create a great home for you, we're just so happy that you're here. Hey, if you're a guest with us for the very first time, so honored that you're here with us. We always, I always recommend people to come at least three times to kind of get an idea and a feel for a church. You know, sometimes when you come one time, you don't get the full picture, and so if you can come at least three times, you hopefully you can get a good picture of what our church is and what our family is, and hopefully you can belong to that. And so if you have your Bibles today, turn to John chapter 15 is where we're going to be, John chapter 15. If you don't have your Bibles, we're going to put them up on the screen, so don't feel out of place at all. Also, if you have your phone, you can download the YouVersion Bible app, and we give you our notes ahead of time so you know exactly where I'm going. And so also want to welcome all those listening to us on our podcast. We actually meet, most people that I meet have listened to us uh, three or four times before they've actually came. And uh, so it kind of gives them a little picture of who we are. And so I just want to welcome everybody who's listening on the treadmill or on the way to work. We're so happy that you're listening to us right now. So John chapter 15 is where we're going to be today. We're in the middle of a series called I Am. Everybody say, I Am. Yeah, I am. Where we're talking about really Jesus in his own words. We've, uh, If you live in this culture, a lot of people have an idea about who Jesus was or a thought about who Jesus was. Well, Jesus had something to say about who he was. And so we are opening up the scriptures and really walking through the book of John. John is simply a gospel in the life of Jesus. Joe, uh, the New Testament starts Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so we're going to be in that fourth uh, story of Jesus's life. And so he lived 33 years. He had a three-year ministry. And in John chapter 15, the context of John chapter 15 is he's kind of ending towards the end of his uh, of his ministry time. He just, him and his disciples just left a place called the upper room where they had this incredible moment with the Holy Spirit and God and there's something happens. And so they're walking out and um, they're walking along kind of what they call Mount Zion. And I can only a picture and imagine that Jesus, most scholars believe in, the, in that part of the mountain, in that society, in that area, in that time, that he would be walking through vineyards. And so I can picture in my mind Jesus grabbing a vineyard and he speaks these last statements, this last word on who he is to his disciples kind of right before he goes and, uh, and is about to uh, be murdered on our behalf. So John chapter 15, it picks it up in verse 1, and he says this. He says, I am the true vine. Everybody say true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that he does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. In verse 3, he says, you are already clean because the word I have spoken to you remain. Everybody say Remain. Yeah, remains. This is an important theme throughout these scriptures. You're going to see remain or other translations say abide, uh, just stay close, be connected to God. He says it actually eight times in our passages, and I'll show it to you. It says, remain in me as I also remain in you. There it is again. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain. Everybody say remain again. Yeah, remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Then verse 5, he says it again because he realizes like, you know, when we talk to somebody, sometimes we don't pay attention. So he says, I'm going to say one more time just in case you missed it. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from it. You can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And uh, with that as our backdrop at Scripture, let's pray. God, we love you. Lord, thank you that you're here today and that we're, we're here for you. We're here for your glory to lift up your name, Jesus. Lord, this isn't my church. These aren't my people. This is your church. This is your people. We, we celebrate you, God, and we know that, Lord, when we lift you up, 
God, you're in the midst and you're in their presence. And so we just pray right now, Holy Spirit, you would speak. God, you would use the words that I've prepared for this church, for this time, for this season, so that we can walk out of here changed, different, transformed in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Um, I have a big family. I have a, a family of what they call seven total. So I have five young boys. I have twin 11-year-olds on the way down to a little two-year-old little baby. And uh, we love them a lot. And they're good, they're, they're good boys. Obviously, we love having a big family. I've always wanted to have a big family. But it's a lot to have kids. And uh, I remember when my, my wife first had our twins right away, they were 11. And when, they were, when they're uh, twins, a lot of times they, people think they're high risk. And so, you know, for high-risk pregnancy. And so we had them at the, uh, at the hospital. And they came out. And they were great. And it was nice. But, you know, it's different than my other three pregnancies and births because, well, I say my, my wife's other three pregnancies and births, I was just, you know, I'm just a, just a dude. And so, uh, and so she had the babies, but she, instead of having the babies at a hospital, we chose to have the, uh, the babies at, at home. And so we wanted to have them at home. And so they were, uh, and we didn't do it, we weren't like hippies or anything, so we didn't have, like, she didn't go out and back into the stream or nothing. It wasn't weird like that. But uh, we had them at home with um, uh, midwives, and so there was professional, and it was cared for, and it was, you know, it was safe. And so we had all the, the, the experiences of that. And what's great is, you know, every time we had the kids, they were right at home. And so when she had the baby that, you know, she just go sleep right in her bed. And she always had the babies on my side of the bed. I don't know why she chose my side of the bed. You know, she'd be like laboring and I'm like next to her, like trying to push her over. And I'm like, get on, get on your side of bed. I like mine dry. And so uh, she was, she had them at her house and uh, she's incredible, you know, no drugs, no pain medication. And I'm just like, man, you are amazing. Cause like, if I get like a splinter, I, you know, I'm like, take me to the hospital. And uh, so she, she has our babies at home. But I remember our, our, our first baby we had at home, Titus, he was, he was unique because I remember just kind of like his, his idea of having, our, our idea of having a baby was different than being in the hospital. Because when you're in the hospital, you know, as a guy, you don't do a whole lot. There's nurses running around and there's doctors there and there's a lot of professional things and there's a lot of, you know, you know machines and, and stuff moving around and you're just trying to stay out. Guys, really, we're trying to just stay out the way, right? I mean, that's the truth. We're just trying not to ruin nothing. I'm here, baby, when you need me. Just give me, a, you know, a high five. I'm going to, you know, I'll cut the cord and then we'll, you know, it's all good. Uh, but at home, you know, when you're, when you're, you're having a home birth with a midwife, you're kind of the, 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 the guy's kind of the coach, you know, you're kind of, I'm, I'm in it, like I'm there. And so, you know, she's like laboring on me and she's on like this big ball and I'm just like, you know, I'm holding her and I'm like, babe, it's going to be okay. And, and you're going to do this and you're amazing and you're strong. And, and then, you know, I, I have, I have like, you know, like concentration issues. And so sometimes I get bored. And so I just kind of like start picking up my phone. You know, she's like laboring in the corner. And I'm like, you're doing good, babe. Go ahead. I'm like playing, you know, Angry Birds and, you know, Doodle Jump. And I'm just kind of like doing my thing. I'm on social media. I'm like taking selfies, you know, her in the back. I'm like, ah, you know, I didn't post anything, but, you know, because she'd kill me. And so uh, I'm trying to have a wife, you know, and not just anyway. And so she, so she was just having, you know, she's having the baby in the back. And so she was at one point, she was, you know, laboring and I'm like trying to take a picture and I'm like live tweeting it, you know, like it's, she's coming along great. And it's like five minutes apart and this is great. And God's going to do something. We're going to have a new baby. And she's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I was like, babe, I got to let everybody know what's going on. Like they're, they, they need to know we're having a baby. Like this is how it's happening. And I'm not going to post any pictures or Facebook live this thing or anything, but I just, I want to know. I'm trying to show people. I'm like, tell people where I'm at. And I'm taking pictures, baby. If I don't do this, we're going to miss it. You know, I'm going to miss it. We're going to miss out on it. And she grabs me really close to her little fist. And she pulls me like, like with my shirt, she pulls me close. And I'm like, and you never know what's going to happen. Cause in a pregnancy and then like when a woman's laboring, like anything goes, 
Like, I just think that she could kill someone, and the police officers, they would show up, and they'd be like, well, yeah, I mean, she's having a baby, so it's all good. And so I'm, like, nervous about what she's going to do. I'm like, she's going to hit me. What's going to happen? She goes, if you don't, I said, baby, if I don't do this, I'm gonna, we're going to miss out. And she goes, if you don't put the phone down, you're going to miss out. She said, you're going to miss out. Like, you're going to miss out on the moment. Like, I know you're trying to put all these things into this experience, because I'm an experienced person. Like, I don't like just going to a restaurant, eating good food. I want to go to the restaurant, eat good food. I want to put the sombrero on. I want you to sing to me. I want us to have, like, this whole big experience. I want to do the whole thing. Like, I want to do the whole nine. And she's like, if you're, if you're not careful, if you put so much into the moment, trying to stuff so much into the moment, you're going to miss out on the moment. Have you all ever done that before, just me? Have you ever been to, like, you know, like a, a child recital or something like that, you know, what do all the parents do? You know, they pull the phones out and they're kind of like that. And then what are they watching? They're watching the screen. And I get it. You want it for later. But do you ever watch it later? No. You watch it, you get it in your phone, and you, it gets lost in the memory, and you don't even remember it. And you're trying to do that, and you're watching the phone when you should be watching your kid. Because we're trying to for, like, like, like force all this stuff into it, like trying to put everything we can. Like, can we just put a little bit more? And just a little bit more. Culture, doesn't culture teach you that? Like, if you just had, you don't have enough, whatever you have right now, you need more. Like, that's culture's theme. Like, whatever it is, you don't have enough. You need to live an unlimited life. You need more, more, whatever you have right now, you need more of. It doesn't matter what it is. You could say you're full, and culture will tell you, no, you're not. You can, you can add just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. I was at the coffee shop the other day. I go to, like, you know, different coffee shops and and uh, you know, I like Starbucks, and I'll go to Summer Moon or go to different places. You know, I like local places sometimes and, and local coffee. And, and uh, I walked in, and I got coffee one time, and I, I just, like, ordered my, you know, my, my nonfat vanilla latte. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's, it's good. That's, that's my drink. You guys ever want to bless me? That's what's up. And so uh, I ordered it, and they're like, hey, 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 sir, sir, do you want an extra shot? I'm like, <laughs> Yes. Absolutely. I don't even know. I've never had an extra shot, but that sounds great. Yes. So I'm like, yes, I want an extra shot, you know, because why? Because everything's saying like, add just, you know, just, just a, a little bit more. I was at the grocery store and like, I'm not allowed to go to the grocery store anymore. Like my wife doesn't let me go shopping. She just doesn't let me go. She goes, because I, I, I'm a budget buster is what she says. You are a budget buster. We had an idea. You're supposed to spend $50 and you came back with $375 worth of nonsense that we ain't even really going to use. And you know what happens is, is I'll get into the line and I'll, I'll like, well, I'll be really disciplined. And I'm like, okay. And then I get to the front where they get, they put, they, they do the impulse buys. Y'all, is anybody else susceptible to the impulse buy like me? So I get up to the front and I'm like, I could use some gum. That, yes, I can use some gum. And mints? Mm, that, yeah, I need some mints for my mouth. That sounds good. I, I could do some drink. I mean, I, it's cold. It's hot outside. It's Texas. No, not now. But it's like, you know, it's like, I want some cold. Okay, I'll have some cold. I like a Tapa Chico. Yeah, I'll just take some of that. And then, and then I look at it, and I'm looking at little things, and there's little, you know, hand sanitizer. Sure, I'll take a hand sanitizer. I'll take some jerky. I'll have some candy, some M&Ms, mm, all up in my mouth. That sounds really, really good. Oh, and I don't even like people, people, but I want to know who's the, who's the most sexiest people, people. I want to know them. So I got to read that magazine, so I'm going to put it all in. By the time I'm out, right, it's just, it's just more and more. I, was, I ordered a pizza the other day with my app on my phone. Like, I was just awesome. So I'm, like, ordering this pizza, and I'm like, babe, I'm going to get a pizza for the kids. And she's like, all right, sounds good. you my boo. Thanks for taking care of the kids. I'm like, yeah. And so I order the pizza, and I'm putting all the things. And then I hit submit. I'm like, buy. I want to buy the pizza. Let me buy the pizza. And, and a, a little pop-up pops up, and it goes, would you like extra cheese? And I'm like, this must be the Holy Spirit. 
just so you know, the answer to the question ever, if you want extra cheese on anything, is yes. C. Click. Double extra I want all of it, yes. And so I have extra cheese, and then they put it in the crust, and they put it on the top. I don't know. This is going to be years before they figure out where to put other cheese on a pizza. Why? Because you want extra cheese. I was at a restaurant, and I read a statement that really blessed my heart. It said unlimited <sighs> salad and breadsticks. Come on. Is there anything better than unlimited salad and breadsticks? The answer is no. Why? Because everything in life is pushing us to like, man, why, you don't have enough. Even social media, you know, when you flip open your phone and you scroll, does anybody, have you noticed that you don't even look at anything anymore? You literally, you and I, I'm not you, other people, other churches, they, they do, they, they, they just, you don't even look at it. Like the Instagram stories, you know, you just tap, 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 come on. You ain't even looking at it. Why? Because we're trying, and what happens is, is when you look at all of it, you're just looking at what they have that you don't, that you realize you should have because you deserve it more than they should do. You ever seen that when your friend's on the vacation, you don't admit it to nobody else, and you're seeing them, and they're like up on the beach, you're like, bless life, hashtag, and you're like, what? I gotta work harder than them. And all you say in your life, you're not even comparing them to what your vision is for your life. You're just comparing, you don't have that. And so it's just speaking to you, you need to live an unlimited no holds barred, say yes to everything life. But the truth is, you and I have limits. That's the truth. Like, that's, that's revelation for some, some of us in here. Because the truth is, is you and I don't live like we have limits. True, right? A lot of us live like we don't have a limit. A lot of us think like, well, no, I mean, like, yeah, everything goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we live an unlimited life. And the point of that is, the problem is, is that once you live an unlimited life with a limited life, you get to your limit, and then all of a sudden, now you're in trouble. But you and I have limits. I'll prove it to you. Just humor me, okay? We're an interactive church in here, all right? So if you come from a church where you have to kind of sit and be, you have to have sour face, you know, just because you don't know what's going to happen, okay? You can, we can interact in here. So, all right, we're all going to do it together. And everybody's got to participate so no one looks weird, all right? So we're all going to participate. So lift up one hand, just one hand, just any hand you want. I don't care to pick your hand. Pick the, pick the arm that you make sure you know for sure you put deodorant on, all right? There you go. All right, so you got a hand up. All right, everybody get your hand. Come on, like you mean it. All right, here we go. All right, and then bend it. Okay, just bend it for me. Just bend it. I'm going to prove you have limits, all right? Now go ahead, lick your elbow. Go ahead. <laughs> Try it. Let me see. Can anybody do it? No. No, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. You want to know why? Because you have limits. You can't do everything. That's revelation for some people in here. Moms, you can't do everything for your kids. Dads. You can't do everything for your kid. You, you are not everything to all people. The Bible, just so you know, that seat's taken. Jesus is all things to all people, which gives us the freedom to be some things to some people. And that's okay, because by definition, you're not God. Thank God you ain't God, and neither am I. Right? We have limits. The purpose of life is not to live an unlimited life. The purpose of life is to live a fruitful life. So that you can be, what did the Bible say? What did Jesus say? So that you may bear much fruit. He doesn't even want you just to be fruitful. He wants you to be really fruitful. Like really, really. Look at your neighbor and say, really. 
No, come on. Like, pick your other neighbor you really wanted to talk to. Say, really? Yeah, you really fruitful. He wants you to be really fruitful. Not a little fruit. Not some fruit. Not if you thought you might could have had some fruit. A lot. The Greek, in much there, you know what that means? Much. Deep thoughts today with Pastor Aaron. The goal in life is to be fruitful. So if that's the case, Jesus gives us this formula. I'll prove it to you. John chapter 15, first thing he says in that formula is he says, I am the true vine. You need to realize this, that Jesus is the source. Jesus is the true vine. If you want to have a fruitful life, you need to be connected to the true vine, the true source. You actually have to be understand that we must be connected and plugged into him. Now, you got to understand his audience and his context. He's talking to Jewish people. And the Jewish people, when he said the word vine, they would have referenced back to the, a story in Isaiah. Now, Isaiah was a prophet, if you don't know anything about that. Isaiah, Isaiah is a book in the Bible, and he was a prophet. And he spoke about this. He said, Isaiah chapter 5, it says, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. So when Jesus said, I am the true vine, or I'm the true vineyard, I'm the one doing this thing, he was saying, I'm going to fulfill everything that the children of Israel didn't that they couldn't. That whole law thing they couldn't fulfill, they couldn't make happen, I'm going to fulfill it. In fact, Jesus even says, I didn't come to abolish the law or abolish their ways or abolish the, the, the principles of God. I came to fulfill them. He knew that us left unto himself, we couldn't do it. So Jesus comes and says, I am the true vine, the true source. I'm going to be the thing that you plug into me. You're going to get everything you've ever wanted. You'll lack for nothing. That what the nation of Israel failed to do, I will fulfill. That's a good, that is the ultimate good news. The second thing he points out in John chapter 15 is he says, you are the branches. So Jesus is the true vine. Jesus is the source. Then we are the branches. And branches by definition are conduits of what they're plugged into. That's what branches do. Apart from the vine, a branch is lifeless. You know this. Come on, y'all know this. When you broke a branch off of a tree, did it live? Did it make it better? Unless you're a five-year-old boy who's looking for something to swing as a sword, it's not useful. Think about that. And he says, apart from the vine, you are the branches that, that you and I are designed, you and I are designed to be connected to the true vine, to the source. We're designed to be connected to something. And then if you're not connected to the right thing, you could do a whole lot of stuff and get nowhere. That's really what, that's really what he was talking about with the, like, an unlimited life. When you live like you have no limits, you run around doing a whole lot of stuff and get a whole lot of nowhere. You ever had that happen to you at the end of your life? End of your life, end of your day, end of your day, you're at the end of your day. Could be the end of your life. You're like, this is over, I'm just done. But you get to the end of your day, and you, you're like sitting there and you look at your wife or you look at your husband and you're like, man, I just did a whole lot today, but I feel like I did nothing. I got nothing accomplished, but man, there was a whole lot going on. Anybody else but me? And when you're plugged into like nothing, when, you don't, when you're not, life is not plugged into the source, you're simply a branch. You're doing a whole lot of sideways energy. You, do, you make a whole lot of noise, but you ain't saying nothing. And he's saying you, you and I are, the branches were designed to produce fruit and fruit can be produced unless we're connected to the source and so we fulfill our purpose the more you're connected to Jesus so I've had people walk to me pastor what's my purpose in life to be connected to Jesus no 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 like seriously 
other than that. No, seriously. Connect to Jesus. Well, yeah, but, but, but like, but how do I get the other stuff? You don't get fruit unless you're connected to the root. Like you don't get it. You're trying to skip steps. And God's a God of principle. And so what we do on accident, none of you guys, I do this and then other people in other churches do this. We, we plug in to things that aren't God. It produces bad fruit. Then we pray. We do two things. We either pray, God, you miraculously change that. Like, I'm going to make a whole lot of bad decisions and connect with a whole lot of bad people and do a whole lot of bad things in life. And then we go, God, Hail Mary, here we go. Let's do it. I hope you make it happen. You can change it. You can do anything. And God's going, I don't understand. You planted a terrible seed, and you want me to make, you planted a carrot seed. I can't make that a watermelon. What am I? I'm not weird. I'm not a magician. Or we blame God. We say, God, you, you, why can't you help me? Why can't my life get better? Why can't I do this? Why is all this stuff happening to me? You ever say that? Just me? Why is all this happening to me? And God's saying, because you're plugged into the wrong thing. You, I, I, at one plus one equals two. I don't, you're plugged into the wrong thing. You're not plugged into me. If you're plugged into me, you produce me. Branches don't even, branches don't even control the fruit they produce. They're just conduits. You and I don't even control the fruit we produce. You just get plugged. Here's how cool this is, okay? This is how cool this is. You don't even have to try to produce good fruit. As long as you're connected to the thing, that is giving good fruit. So if you're struggling with like, man, I feel like I have like a, a lifeless or I feel like I, I produce dead fruit, dead things in my life. You know, my career is lifeless. My marriage is lifeless. My, my, my health is lifeless. My money is lifeless. You know, my kids are lifeless. Golly. I mean, they're, they're just, I don't know what's going on with them. Well, plug them in. Plug your life into Jesus. Come on. Plug him in. Just get close. What did he say? Remain, remain, remain. Don't work hard. Isn't that good? Like you're not, a, you need to know this. You're not a load-bearing animal. We talked about this in week three, how he's the good shepherd, that you and I are sheep. Have you ever saw a farmer hook up a sheep to a plow? No, because you don't do that, because the sheep would crumble. The sheep would freak out. The sheep would go, what are you doing? I'm not designed to do this. And you and I are carrying weights. Come on, this wasn't even in the first service. This is free. This is just for you. Some of us are carrying weight. You're not supposed to carry. You're not designed to do that. But if you plug into Jesus, you plug into him, then you guess what? You don't even have to try to be good. I always tell people all the time, people tell, Pastor, you need to preach about sin more. Pastor, you need to tell them to stop doing stuff. I said, listen, I get that, that you're right. There is a thing called sin, and there's some things that are really, really bad. But if I just point them to the thing that will actually fix everything, they just naturally will start to not be sinful. Instead of telling you to stop looking at that on the internet, why don't I just point you to Jesus who is amazing and will fulfill all your needs and put you in place with everything that you need. And all of a sudden you get full of the thing that you look at the most and you don't even need any of that. So I don't have to tell you to stop sinning. I just have to tell you, go be with Jesus. Go stay with Jesus. Go remain in him. The more you remain in him, it's amazing how less sin you do. Different adjustment. Why? Because you're plugged in. You're, you're, you're plugged in to the source. 
The third thing is this. He says this. He says, John 15, 2, he says, he cuts off every branch in me and bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Everybody say prunes. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a different word that instead of the fruit, prune, it's not that prune. He prunes, he cuts, he cleans. He says, so it will be even more fruitful. There's a, there, so what he's saying is, is to reach our potential, we must be pruned. To reach what you possibly, what God created you, what you are meant to do on this earth. Your purpose is fulfilled as the gardener comes in and cuts stuff out. The Greek word for prune there is kathiro. It means to clean. And the reason that farmers did that, the reason that you see uh, farmers and great gardeners go and trim back trees and trim vines and pull stuff off that even look good, the reason they pull them back is so that the Bible, what Jesus said, so that it can produce more, not less. And so when God asks you to prune something out of your life, the reason he does that with you is he says, hey, you should probably not do that because it's probably not good for you. And we go, no, God, I want it. Mine. Y'all sound like the bird on Nemo, right? Mine all the time with everything and you don't let it go. And he's saying, if you let it go, I'll give you more. That's the principle of generosity with God. He said, just let it go. Let it go. Let it go. I'm cutting it out. Let it come out of you so that you don't look to it for your source. I'm already your source, remember? So when I'm cutting out of you, I'm trying to help you because you know why the number one thing, the reason they did that is because if you didn't trim back and prune your trees, it actually provided a better opportunity for disease in the tree. So they cleaned it so it wouldn't get sick. Now, you and I would look back at that, and they're cutting out the branches and the trees. From a distance, we look at it, and we go, that's so mean. Why would you cut that tree? You're cutting it. You're hurting it. Why would you cut it? It's a terrible gardener. But the gardener knows that when I cut it out and I clean it out, I'm actually helping it. I'm actually keeping it from getting a disease. Where, my question is, where where do you feel sick right now? What part of your life feels sick? Not just your health. I mean, that's an easy, right? Because we equate sickness with health. But does your marriage feel healthy right now? Does, do you, or do you feel sick? What needs to be cut out so that it feels better? What about your, what about your job? Do you feel sick in your career? What part of your, there's some things in your job. Maybe, maybe you, you think because if you work more, it'll get better, but maybe you need to work less. Or maybe inside of your, with, with, with your money, can I say that with your with your the big M word money? Maybe you feel sick with your finances. Where where do you need to cut back so that you can feel not look, not so you can have less? Come on, church, so you can have more. Like the the farmer prunes, the gardener prunes. Why does he prune? So you can have more. I want to talk about that for just a moment as I as I kind of wrap it up. When you cut back, you create a space, what I like to call margin. Everybody say that with me. Say margin. Margin is simply the space beyond what is necessary. It's the space between, the, it's the space that, that exists that's defined as uh, what you could, uh, past what you could do before what you should do. It's like there's this space. 
And you can equate it to anything, time, money, energy, life. I mean, you just, anything. We are all, because we've defined ourselves as limited people, we are limited because you couldn't lick your elbow. You have a limit. Some of y'all in here think, I'm unlimited, pastor. I could do anything. I'm walking Nike symbol. Just do it. That's where you're from. You are limited. So since you're limited, we have a finite space to do things. I'm going to show it to you just kind of in a, in a, in a slide. And uh, so this is your, you know, whatever it is. You could, the beginning, there's a beginning and an end. By definition is your life. And this could be your money. This could be your health. This could be your time. This could be your career. This could be your whatever. And so you, you, every one of us have a necessity. So let's just say this is our money. So from the beginning, we have no money to what's necessary with money. And that could be inside that thing. It could be, you know, our, our home or our car or, or food and or could be some fun stuff, you know, things like that. Just so you know, on a side note, when it comes to money, God wants you to enjoy life. Let me just tell you that. He wants you to enjoy life. He wants you to be joyful, not happy. That's different. So for those of you who are like, man, God wants to be sad and suffer all the time and no parties and party, anti-party. Just so you know, in Revelation, all we do is party. Because when Jesus comes back, it's a gigantic party. Because Satan lost and he won and it's all good. So inside of there, we have the necessary or the necessity. And then there's this space beyond what's necessary. So you've all, you can all define that how you want. And really the necess necessary is defined based on godly principles. So you don't go buy the big house. Why? Not because you can't or God says don't. It's because you have like what's necessary. You get what's necessary so that you can have space beyond what you absolutely have. And the reason you do that is so that, here's why, margin gives you the greatest gift you could ever want. It gives you the ability to say yes to the great opportunities that come along. So I'll prove it to you. There's just a, why, why have margin? Oftentimes there are things that we want to say yes to, but that we really, in our hearts, we wish we could, but in our hands, we really can't. So I remember when I was, um, I was in, first got into ministry, and I, I, was, I was in college, and I was going uh, to San Jose State to get my bachelor's in political science, and I wanted to get into ministry, but I really wanted to stay in, in, in school, and so I met a pastor in a church, and, and what was incredible about this, this place was we were doing, it was doing so many things, reaching people for Jesus, God was being lifted up, and, and, and I saw church done in just a way I'd never seen before, and I was inspired, and so I'd go to school, and I'd go to work, and then I'd go to church. Every day, go to school, go to work, go to church, go to school, go to work, go to church. That's all I ever did. And because, and I went to school because I needed to, I had to work because I, well, we needed money, you know, because, you know, I, I loved pizza. And so, uh, and then, and then, but then I went to, I went to church because I felt like that was a part of my calling and my calling was calling me and I wanted to make sure that I was going to be around. And so, you know what I did? I would just show up every day after work. And I'd walk up into the church, and if there was an event, I was there. If there was no event, I was there. If there was something around, I was there. If they thought about an event, I was there. I would be there during the week at church. I'd follow my pastors home. They had to ask me to leave. They had to. It was like Aaron. After a while, it's just too much. And I just why I wanted to be a part of something great. And so when people ask me, Pastor Aaron, how did you get into ministry? Was it because like, man, you're just so like good looking? I'm like, obviously. Oh, it wasn't because I was good looking. Clearly, that's not the case. Was it because you were good? You were talented. You could speak really good. No. I had to learn to communicate. I wasn't a communicator then. That's not how I got into ministry. It's not how my life was changed. That's not how I was able to take, a part, take, take, take part in that opportunity. Well, maybe you knew someone. No, it wasn't because I knew someone. 
It wasn't because I was talented. It wasn't because I had a great personality. It wasn't because of, listen, it wasn't because of my ability. It was because of my availability. I was just there. And you know what? There were a whole lot of guys who were way more talented, way better looking, could do a whole lot more than I could do, and they just weren't available. They had other stuff going on. They were really, really busy. Their schedules were really, really packed. So when someone asked, hey, is anybody around to stack the chairs? You know whose hand always went up? I'm available. Why? Because I had the time. Because I didn't say yes to everything. I prioritized my life based on vision. And when you do that, you say no a whole lot more than you say yes. So there's some people in here right now. You know you. You don't have to, no elbowing, no looking. You know you. You say yes way too much. To your schedule, you say yes way too much. And so you put all these things because you want, you're trying to find all these things. And you're trying to find your, like, acceptance and your love and your happiness and your security and people liking you. And so you say yes a whole lot more than you say no. And when you say yes, all kinds of yes to all kinds of things, when all of a sudden the good God opportunity comes along, you have no more space to say yes to it. Not you, but other people. And so your time is... Is squished, your time is, is, sh- is shrinking, and you say yes to everything. I, I, I was laughing the other day because my wife, she likes, to, uh, she likes to take the kids to school in the morning. And every once in a while, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's okay because, you know, well, I got a lot of them. And I don't know if you know this, but, like, young kids in the morning, they're not exactly the easiest people to, to, it's not like an easy thing, you know what I'm saying, come on parents, like, can I get an amen, right, like, it's, the kid that I have doesn't exist in that early in the morning, it's like, who are you, who, who are you, and, uh, and I was thinking the other day, and I'm like, man, you know, and, 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 and some of us have a desire in our heart to have our kids go to school like this, hey, honey, how are you? It's time to wake up. Why don't you go ahead and get your clothes on, brush your teeth, and comb that beautiful hair of yours. Hey, while you're doing that, I'm going to be downstairs and making you a healthy lunch. I'll write a little note. So when you open it, you find out how much I love you. I want you to know, son, that, uh, man, I'm praying for you the whole time. Holy Spirit's with you. You are a man of God. Here's how my morning went. They needed to be at school at 740. Is that right, babe? 740? 740. I woke up at 732. And so I'm up, I'm like, ah! Riley, Kelly, Titus, get downstairs. They're screaming. They scream too. Have you ever noticed that when you scream around people, they just start that. They run down screaming. They're put. They're, they're they're not even clothed. I'm like, you had pajamas on. They're naked. They're running around. I'm like, get your clothes on because your mom's sleeping. Be quiet. Don't you be quiet. Don't you go back upstairs. And so they run upstairs. I'm like, you run upstairs. Put your clothes on and make sure you put socks and shoes. Did you take a shower? Did they take a shower? Yes. Yeah, so I don't know if they took a shower. I hope they're not stinky. Don't worry. I'm gonna get you some food. I think that's some food. And so I'm like hoping to put something on bread that looks like a sandwich. And so I put it together. I throw it in the bag. And I put 
put in the thing. And I'm like, they're coming downstairs. And they're like, Dad, are we late? Are we late? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're late, but we need to go. And they're like, what do we do? What do we do? And I'm like, oh, well, your hair, your hair, you, what, what are you, what's wrong with your hair? Go put your hair in something. And then go brush your teeth. Go brush your teeth. I'm going to go start the car. So I'm running out of the car. And we got the car in the backpack. And do we get the backpack? So get them in the thing. And so I drive them to the car. And I'm like, you already pray? Let's pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so they like, okay, we're done. And so we get them to the car. And they get to school. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to slow down to about three and a half miles an hour. You open the door and I'm going to kick you out. Boom. And then they run out. They roll on the way out, and I'm like, run! I love you. So, so we have this vision of what we want to have, and so what happened? What happened, y'all? We had some time. And so since I didn't create the time and the space and the margin, have you noticed that the less margin you have in your life, the, the more stressed out you are? Have you noticed that? Some people are like, man, I'm just praying God would just take the stress away. You could take the stress away if you woke up five minutes earlier. <laughs> how, about, how about your money? How about your money? I just... I just, you know, I just, I'm sure somebody, uh, nobody in here, this is for me. Uh, I read something that said the majority of Americans spend their entire paychecks within five days of receiving them. They live paycheck to paycheck. They have less than $200 in savings. They're literally one payday away from financial disaster. And so the impulse buys, the infomercials, the credit card. Credit cards are funny because credit cards push you past your limits. So it's not even margin now you're talking about. You're talking about, I spent everything I have. Oh, and now I have more. And honestly, credit cards, in, a, in terms of the financial history, are a fairly new concept. Because they used to have to do, if you wanted something and you couldn't afford it, they had this thing called, and I don't know if you remember this or not. This is like an old school topic, an old school term. But you either had two options. You either didn't buy it. Or you did this thing called layaway. Have you ever heard of it? It's trying to make a way, it's a way to come back, and Chase and MasterCard and Visa are all putting up billions of dollars into their commercials going, you don't need layaway, you can have it now. You don't have the money. You, you can say yes now. And so those things make you say yes to the good things, so then when the God things come along, you, have nothing, you couldn't do it if you wanted to. I believe this, this, can I just have a pastoral moment? If you're a guest with us, this, this, this is not for you. So this is, I'm going to rebuke them and not you. This is going to be good. So I just feel like, this is like, yeah, Pastor Gill. <laughs> I actually believe that most of us would give to the church if you could. Some of us in here want to give. You want to do it, but you spent all your money. Like, I could preach the best. Pastor Jason and I could come up and preach the best giving message. You can have the conviction in your heart. You could be like, God, I need to give. Man, I want to give so bad. And you can open up your wallet, and then what happens? You know that little moth flies out of it? <laughs> like, watch, I'm a magician. I can make it disappear. But I, be I really believe that. I believe a lot of us in here don't have a heart issue to give. You have a hands issue to give. Why? Why? Because you have spent it all. And if you don't have it to give it, you can't give it. Because you didn't live with a budget. You didn't live with a mindset of going like, I don't need to spend all of it. 
Let me just say that even with the church, even not with the church, just take the church out of it. If you were driving along the sidewalk, driving along the sidewalk, driving along the road, you saw someone on the sidewalk. Why'd you drive on the sidewalk, officer? My pastor told me to. Never mind. New story. If you were driving, but if you were driving and you saw someone on the sidewalk hurting, or if you, someone in your family called up and said, hey, we missed a paycheck. I lost my job. Or you know of a, of a single mom who's struggling to feed her kids. Or if you found someone, maybe it's a family who's, who's struggling with their, their money and their finances or somebody who lost their job or you heard some or kids struggling with their, you needed, and, you, and God has now shown you, there's now a God opportunity for you to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And you keep praying, God bless him, God bless him. And he's looking at you, go, I wish you would bless him. I wish you would live in a way that you can bless him. I'm trying to, I bless you. You're a conduit of my blessing. That ain't even yours. That fruit ain't even yours. That fruit ain't even yours. You were plugged into me. I gave you fruit. And now you just, and you ate it all. So the God thing came along, and you didn't have the money to help the, come on. So I'm making an argument for you to say no. Not to, not, to, not to deprive you. Why does the gardener prune? To give you more. Come on. When you prune a branch, it doesn't make it die. It makes it prune. It gives it more ability to grow. So you get bigger. So you grow bigger. So you can get blessed. Why? So you can give more. I've never met anybody. It's never happened. It's, it's never, in almost, I've been in ministry 15, 16 years, something like that. I don't, I don't have math. Anyway, so just, I went to school, I promise. But like, I've been in, for you, I've never met anybody who said, hey, I helped someone out financially because God told me to and I was worse off. I've never met anybody say, I gave to the church, and it never came back. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Why? Because it's not your fruit. And if you're connected to the root, you produce the fruit. You don't have to work hard to be good. You don't have to work hard to be God. You don't have to work hard to be generous. You just have to be able to let go of it. But if you don't live a life of margin, you won't have anything to give. You know, the reason we did this series, and I'm done. Um, it's offensive to me when people speak of Jesus in an inaccurate way. It's offensive. I'm offended personally. Now, I don't walk around in offense. The reason I gave my life to the local church was because I wanted to make sure that everybody I could, everybody that comes in contact with me would get a clear, accurate view of Jesus Christ. The reason we did this series is so that you can understand who he is. And I think so much of culture, and I'm done, I'm, I'm closing. So much of culture has give you an inaccurate view of Jesus. Culture says Jesus wants something from you wrong. He wants something for you. God, by definition, needs nothing. If he needs something, he's no longer God. The world says Jesus is, is mean, ugly, looking to hurt you. In week three, we talked about how Jesus is a shepherd. He's not a butcher. A lot of churches teach him. Every, every, a lot of churches speak about him. A lot of culture speaks about him. Man, in butcher-like terms, he's waiting to get you. Wait until you make a mistake. Boom. You're done. You're dead. Looking to carve you up. It's not a butcher. He's a shepherd. 
People speak of Jesus as, as, as quite the opposite, that he's trying to bring darkness when truly he's trying to bring light. The most celebrated, the, let me just say this. The person who celebrated life more than anybody in this earth was Jesus. The most marginalized, oppressed groups loved Jesus because Jesus had their back. Jesus was for you before you were ever for him. I was talking to a guy the other day. He was like, you know, I don't believe in God. He said, I don't believe in him. I just don't believe in all that stuff. And I, Pastor, I, I appreciate you. I respect you for what you believe. But I just, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in him. I don't believe in Jesus. I said, that's okay. He believes in you. Every time you ran away, every time you walked, every time you turned, every time, every time you ran from him in every way that you did, in every possible way, the, the amazing thing about Jesus is that when you stop running and you turn around, he's still there. He shouldn't be. My life is an example. I, I, I tell people all the time, like, I, I, there's nothing special about me. I just found the water before you did. I just want to show you where he, where to get it. I'm offended that people don't know Jesus, the accurate Jesus, the Jesus the Bible talks about. Because when I met him, I didn't just have security in heaven one day. Heaven was brought to my life. And as much as I push him away, as stubborn as I am to walk away from him, he seems to always be there. And I, I, I don't understand it because God doesn't need me. But he wants me. God doesn't need you. But he wants you. And my prayer today for you in this whole series is that you would take a step, one step towards him. And your step could be stop running. Your step in here could be turn towards him. Your step could be I need to walk closer with him. I know him, but I want to walk closer. 